0: Hey there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley. It's a podcast about making things up and making things happen. I love to talk to creative people about how they do their thing, how they stay motivated and hang in there, and why they do it. So today I have two guests for the price of one, Mitch Silva and Drew Drogi. They are both very funny actors and writers, and they are doing a show together in Los Angeles next Tuesday night, It's called, We've Never Felt Younger. Mitch and Drew, We've Never Felt Younger on the 23rd of November. It's a dynasty typewriter here in Los Angeles. So you're gonna wanna go to that. I'm gonna be there, it's gonna be very funny. You've also seen Mitch in a lot of things, including Bridesmaids. He's the flight attendant who tries to get um, Kristen Wiig to return to her seat. He's been on All Rise and Spy, The Heat. Uh, he was in Curb Your Enthusiasm. And Drew you know he's been on this podcast before. Uh, he's a very funny actor. He uh, was recently in um, Search Party and he has a great film that's playing this, the festival circuit now. The Extinction of Fireflies uh, is the name of the movie and I, uh, I got to see it when it was playing it out best. And he's terrific in it and you should keep an eye out for it, it's good. I talked to them about their show And also what it's like to be uh, auditioning and being in the world of Hollywood now for Out Actors with so many different streaming services and how much things have changed or how they haven't. So it was a great conversation. Uh, Before we get to that, I want to get a plug-in for the virtual game nights that I host, Uh, You Don't Know My Life. Uh, We're booking up for the holidays, so if you have a workplace that you want to have a holiday party for but you are all working remotely, hit us up. And you can also buy the box party game for your holiday get-togethers at Amazon.com. And you can learn more at You Don't Know My Life. Also, the Mismatch Game is coming back to the Renberg Theater live and in person. I will be hosting it. Uh, Drew is definitely doing it, and I think Mitch is doing it. We just got to lock everything down. So um, that's on December 4th and 5th. So you can learn about that at LAlgbtcenter.org. So yeah, that's in the plugs. Here are Mitch and Drew Joining me now via Zoom, it's Drew Drogi and Mitch Silpa, two very funny people here in Los Angeles, actors, writers, um, makers of shit happening. Um, <laughs> and you've guys got a show coming up at Dynasty Typewriter uh, on November 23rd called "It's Mitch and Drew," and we've never felt younger. Yes. Um, I'm coming Hi. to that. I'm coming to that. <laughs> oh yeah! Show my Vax card. I'm going to be masked up. I'm going to do it because I need to see it.
1: Thank you. We're so happy you're coming.
0: <laughs> We've never felt younger. Was that just something you felt like saying, or is there a is there a through line there? What's what's with the title? We've never felt younger.
2: Well, sure. Mitch, I think Mitch came up with the title, but a, a lot of like what we love to write is like you know, older than ourselves and us, we always kind of feeling like we're just, we've always been these like kind of old crones in the world. And so like, and when we get together and talk, we're like, Oh God, let's just complain about the world or, you know? And so we, we, and we have these videos that we've been doing called two old Queens who only got a minute to catch up. And we're throwing out all these references that are, I mean, that are older than, than Mitch and me. Usually sometimes they're, their contemporaries are younger than us, but sometimes usually- they're right in our alley. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Here's a clip to give you guys an example.
2: Hello. Oh. Dale, it's Morton. Morton, I only have a minute to chat. My azaleas
1: have thrush. That's perfect. I only have a minute as well. I have to take my landlord in to get his ankle reattached.
2: Well, let's get into it.
1: Yes, let's.
2: Arlene Francis never found the right baked Alaska. Piper Laurie has never worn one band-aid. Mitzi Gaynor gave birth to yellow. I miss movies where people showed their toughness
1: by putting their hands on their waists.
2: Dolores Hope took issue with the metric system.
1: Ann Miller purposely punted Mickey Rooney into the mezzanine during the second act of Sugar Babies.
2: Burt Lancaster had too many teeth.
1: I still think Avita should have been played by Charlotte Ray. Don't
2: ask Sybil Shepherd about Broadway.
1: Singing in the Rain was shot in one day.
2: Leslie Uggams needs a secretary. Betty Hutton ruined gusto. Carol Cook is to Barbara Cook as Barbara Rush is to Deborah Rush.
1: Sally Kirkland once rode a swivel chair through Laurel Canyon. Maureen O'Hara was a gimmick. Colleen Dewhurst got into fights
2: with doorknobs. Phoebe Beach got lost at Hershey Park. The Omen was just a remake of Dennis the Menace. Anne Magnuson is aggressively quiet. Beth Howland
1: was frightened by night creams. Tick, tick, boom. Catch up with your breath, Ann Baxter.
2: I gotta go, I'm getting a call from a toll-free number. Peace out.
0: Those videos are very funny. Thank you. And sometimes I'll be out in the world and I'll I'll think of a name or I'll see a movie and I'm like, oh, that person needs to be mentioned. Dolores <laughs> Hope. That's Dolores hope Dolores hope because she was bob's wife but she was also her own person yes that's right. a celebrity these videos that you do the two old queens where did that idea come from
1: i mean it's sort of like last year remember last year how fun it was but last year <laughs> uh, we were i was trying to do more videos and uh i got it in my head and i'm like oh no one's gonna watch a video that's over a minute for because of TikTok, so I'm like, what if can we do something that and we do these two characters that we've done before, where we we're two old queens, and I'm like, how can it come up? Like, to, how do we do this in a minute? And so we just came up with this concept of like they only have a minute to catch up, so it gave us a uh, now a minute to do the video. But now we've gone over a minute oftentimes, even though we say it's a minute. That's so totally where it came up, and and it's kind of our conversations that Drew and I have, but heightened where we're like. We had a minute to talk and it's always about a movie we saw or some celebrity gossip or something like that.
0: Well, I'm intrigued by the making of it because it goes back and forth between the two of you. Do You guys shoot it simultaneously at live in, in real time with each other or do you just do your own thing and cut it together?
2: No, I I usually just do my lines and just film myself and then send it to Mitch. And then Mitch uh, does his and then edits them together. And then, so it's, sometimes we'll run lines by each other. Like, what do you think about this or that? But a lot of times it's a total surprise. What
0: makes me curious about that is because if you were doing it live, you would crack up at each other's lines. Like, they're so uh, nutty. Absolutely. You wouldn't be able to get through yeah. it.
2: Yeah, yeah, I mean, well, we the first- are doing it live in the show- And we're really, we have so, it's it's so hard to learn because there's no logic. There's no connective tissue. It is, it's just non sequiturs. So it's, we're just, we've developed these crazy mnemonic devices to try to do it. And we kind of, and for that scene, we kind of can't even listen to each other. We have to just kind of remember our order of when we're doing ours. So um, we'll see how it goes live, but it'll be, it'll be crazy.
0: (laughs) And that that will be part of the show. Where do those guys come from?
1: Our heads, (laughs) (laughs) our
2: messy gay brains, our messy gay brains.
0: But there, there is this thing of like, I'm just we're just gonna analyze and talk shit about everybody else in a way, and then go about our day. It's almost like they're gasoline in a way. Like it's what, oh them up in the morning.
2: Well, it's like I think we both have been so. I mean, we we. I mean, this is how a lot of it is how Mitch and I talk. Like during pandemic, especially. I remember I was I, I like discovering old movies and I would call Mitch and say, have you ever seen written on the wind? Oh my God. It's insane. Dorothy Malone she's in well, bananas in the best way. Like we kind of, we talk that way, but we also just know so many, how so many gay men are so obsessed with references, especially women and just constantly like that's our fodder for conversation. It's like currency. It's like, I know this thing. I know this trivia about this celebrity, usually a female celebrity or a hot male celebrity that we can use as like, you know, um as to almost one up each other in conversation.
0: Yeah, like hope Lang couldn't pull off yellow.
2: He's something <laughs> like <laughs> that. Yeah.
0: Now do you ever <laughs> have to go he really have we used that name before
1: or is mitch uh, i actually i i'm the more anal of the two of us so i keep a list of every celebrity and every like show we've referenced so we don't do it again i think we've the only one we've done twice i think we might have said gypsy twice we both <laughs> met, I made a gypsy that was a mistake but everything you know and then when drew sends me his There's been a, like, once or twice where I'm like, oh, fuck, I wasn't going to say her. So I have to wait to shoot mine before I get Drew's so I don't say the same celebrity.
0: I do love that there's a list. Maybe a spreadsheet is in the future if it gets too complicated. (laughs) Um, What other kind of sketches can people expect when uh, they come to your show on Tuesday?
2: we've got a but we are doing we're doing one we did another video called mild chat that we did online where we just have the most inane conversation ever and we're doing that but then we're doing um a bunch of sketches in in the middle that we've never done before we've never tried them out in front of people before so we're very excited and a little nervous because we truly have no idea how they're gonna go um so but they're all two person scenes they're all very gay yeah. it's they're, and they're just you know um Some of them are more charactery than others, but it's it's just sort of like what comes out of our brain when we write together, you know.
0: I love it. How did you guys first meet? What was your first impression of each other?
2: Oh well, I don't know. I I, we first met at the Groundlings when we were we're students. Were we students at the same time? I think we we were. Yes, I mean you were ahead of me in the program, but I remember. Uh, we I probably met in, like, workshop classes. We, I mean, I know we met at the Groundlings, but it was um, like in probably Wiles. before you did Sunday Company. I mean, I knew you before you were in the Sunday Company. Yeah.
1: Yeah, this is over 20 years ago. Um, yeah. Uh, you asked what our first impression was of each yeah, other. Like,
0: what do you guys remember about first meeting?
1: <laughs> I thought he was awful and
2: very mean. <laughs> no, I, 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 I,
1: My first thing, I loved him. I just thought he was so fucking funny. That was my first impression.
2: Yeah, I really idolized Mitch because he was, like, he was you know, ahead. I mean, you know, it's like one of those people that you see and he's, you know, I remember seeing his final Groundling show and he gets into the Sunday show. And I was like, I know someone in the Sunday company and he's so funny. And I just would go every week and see him in the shows. And so, but we've never, we've known each other for so long and we've been in shows together, but we've really never written together and collaborated yeah. until this last year. So it's like, it's been so much fun to just realize like, oh, Hey, let's, make things together.
1: Yeah, I mean, these sketches that we wrote for these shows, I have to say they just kind of like were so easy to write. Like we were, I mean, hopefully they're funny, they're funny to us, but uh, <laughs> but they were very easy to write with Drew. Yeah.
0: Well, it's a great lesson in like, what's our limitations? Okay, we wanted to make it a minute, period. Like then we could just throw out, like it's a great example of like finding the creativity within the constriction and the box. Oh, right. Oh, of yeah. what you do. And then, then the simplicity of it really works. Um, Mitch, you said you wanted to make more videos. Um, is that partly it's a creative outlet, it keeps you sane during COVID or does it move things in Hollywood? Does it get attention? Does it get you auditions? Like what's um, the um, what's the drive there?
1: well, I really never i mean I learned iMovie last year when I was at home I'm not you know I'm not and now I can't stop, but it was purely creative it was I needed some creative outlet I wanted to just make videos and figure out a way how to do it where we were all isolated, so you know there was a bunch I made with drew I made some with my friend Lauren and my friend jim and and uh and but as for like getting. Uh, actual turning it into work in hollywood i mean i that was not a thought of my head (laughs) i just needed some sort of a creative outlet and now i can't stop i love it
0: that's awesome well and drew you've been doing things like this with chloe and stuff like that right does it does it affect that hollywood world of the auditions that you get through your agent and stuff like that do they coexist in a way and, and bounce off each other or are they two separate things
2: They, I I think so. Usually, they do. I mean, you know, I think a lot of times it's always nice when I when I do go into you know a a meeting or an audition or whatever, and they say, "Oh, we love this video that you've done. We've been watching this video." It is a great way of because you know we get to really like express exactly our our point of view. We get to be as creative as we want. I mean, that's the the greatest thing about. I would have no career if it weren't for the internet because. I was told forever, I would try, I mean, years and years ago, I would go in and do Chloe 70 and auditions and people would be like, that's too weird. That's too yeah. niche. No, one's going to care about that. And I would put it online. And then I was like, there is an audience for that. And so then when people see there's something about it being a hit online, then people decide, Oh, I guess this is <laughs> valid or whatever. And so um, it has been, yeah, it's, it's definitely helped me in my career. And then it does help when I'm up for something, especially when you're, you know, you're just going in for a smaller part you know, they can see a, a wider, you know, range of what you can actually do, um, you know, and you have a little more control. I mean, it's so hard to just be an actor in this business and wait for the phone to ring. So when you learn how to make videos and you start writing for yourself, you have so much more control. And, yes, it does, like, calm me down. And, and I think and in, in, in what Mitch was saying as well, yeah. it makes us feel a little bit more, like, in charge of our lives and our careers when we can, we can sort of, you know, make it.
1: Also, to what you're saying about how being told, like, it's too niche, I can't tell you how many times, you know, that I've been told, like, oh, that reference is too niche, or that no one's going to know who's ever. And just knowing that we made a fucking, all these videos <laughs> that is just endless references, that most people are like, I don't know who that person is, and that people have liked them is so, uh, it's just nice, it's gratifying.
2: You really I, I leaned was... into the niche. You leaned yes. right into it. Well, and I um... think, too, like... I always heard, I don't know where, and this is something a lot of people have said, but I don't know who at first said this quote, but the more specific becomes the more personal, like the, you know, or the more universal, like the more specific you are, the more universal it is because even if people don't know the reference, you can laugh because it's so specific. Like I laugh at things all the time and I have no idea what that's about. And people will tell me like all the time, they're like, I don't know who Arlene Dahl is, but that's just... It's, you know, sounds like an old movie. I, I believe you, it's an old movie star. You know, it doesn't yeah. matter. that You have to like know her whole filmography to, to get like a one-liner. And so, and it's better than just trying to be like, than, than trying to chase your audience and be like, do people know who this is? Do people yeah. know who, you know, and then you're really kind of like, you know, you're, you're, you're uh, watering it down, you know, and trying to, you know, and people will come to you, I think.
0: I yeah. like it. When you put out a video, how closely do you follow how, many hits it gets comments do you just put it out and let it go or are you like following
1: um I I kind of pay attention it's like our little babies and I want to know how they're doing and how they're being shared so I think maybe I think I'm not going to speak for Drew but my perspective on Drew is that Drew puts it out there and just lets it go and (laughs) I I think I, I monitor it
0: yeah, you're more like, we've got X amount of
2: likes and...
1: I get like, oh, the, we're, we passed 5,000 views. Or you know, <laughs> I'm so excited
2: just, about it. I check in on it every now and then and I like I sort of see, you know, how it's doing. And I, I mean, I love seeing like on the day we post it, like on Instagram and, you know, YouTube or yeah. whatever, and just seeing it like go up is really... And, and I love, you know, people's comments. I always, when people comment, I always appreciate that because it's like, you know, people really love to be sort of in on the game and like throw out their own sort of references. And so, you know, it's, 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 it's a really fun way to stay connected with people that you don't even know at all. You're like, it's, a, it's just like a really weird way of knowing someone or talking to someone. Yeah. It's, and it's also fun to see, Oh, like,
1: Oh, which lines people connected to the most, oh, that, totally. you know, that's really fun.
2: Yeah.
0: So when you guys are doing those, do you have them written somewhere because you just fire them off? I
2: usually have mine. I have mine written. I just have mine, you know, pulled up on my laptop. And then so I just kind of do one line at a time. Yeah. uh, A couple couple takes of it and then you know you know but yeah it's right in front of me so. mine i i
1: have more i have ideas of them and then i'll i'll leave i'll start to improvise at the end i mean i there was one i comp- never thought i improvise I, that bob and carol and ted and alice needed one more person that was <laughs> that was completely me just riffing but so it's Drews true, was more though. written. It's yeah.
0: funny because it's true. We've all thought it, I mean, we've
2: never, all thought we've it.
1: We've all thought that <laughs> we couldn't put our finger. Dion Warwick.
2: Dion yeah. Warwick had her song in that movie. Sh- Dion should have joined them, and it would have That's- been.
1: Oh, it could have been Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice and Dion. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I like it.
0: Do you have? This is a little like nutty, but do you have ideas where these guys live? Like what their lives are like? Are they in the same <laughs> city? or Are they far away?
2: <laughs> we, they hang yeah, out, we've, right? We've talked about it a lot. Yeah, we've decided that. That my character is um he's a former acting teacher. He taught um what it was I taught stage acting for the camera.
1: For the camera. So and, it's only it's
2: only it's only when you for the camera when they do plays on in films. Yeah. That's what he teaches. <laughs> and and I'm definitely more of a hoarder and, and a little bit sadder and a messier. Like I'm kind of dirty. <laughs> I think mine is a little bit sadder and dirtier. And every now and then I'll sneak like a bottle of Campari in the background, or like a weird picture frame, or whatever. And yeah. I think Mitch's character is more put together. Yeah,
1: I'm more like well, plastic probably covers all my furniture, and I'm yeah. like, I think, yeah. I, and uh, and I also think Drew at the beginning our reasons for only having a minute to talk. Drew is always panic over something. Completely minor and mundane, and I'm nonplussed over something really serious. <laughs> yes.
0: You guys both came came up through the groundlings, and you talked about that. And I know, are you still connected in a way? Do you ever teach there, or do do appearances, or are you still part of that world?
1: Yeah, I still go. I mean, I'm an alumni now. I I still go back and perform every once in a while. And I used to teach uh, for many years there, but I haven't taught for a while. But I still go back and perform.
2: Yeah same I'm still I still teach about one or two classes a year and um and I go back and I sub a lot and and I do show and I pop in and do the improv shows um a bunch too so yeah we're still we're still pretty connected over there and um, yeah
0: I uh I was in a sketch comedy group for a while in the 90s and I look back and there's a couple of a few sketches not a lot but I go oh my god I can't believe it like just the way the standards have changed and what's okay, and what's not okay, what I understand about things, and didn't then, and stuff like that. Do you have that with some of the stuff that you've done? You've done so much, though. But if you were to be back in the Groundlings world day-to-day, is it different now?
2: It's so, I mean, it is definitely different now, and I think it's something that, you know, I think what's, what is, what helps at the Groundlings is that they encourage you to write um, character-based material based on people that you know. So, you're not really pushed to be very edgy there or to do like really incendiary or political things or like, you know, um, cause I feel like I was, cause I was in um, a gay sketch group called the Deviants, which uh, um, years ago. And I feel like that was where we were a lot more like, let's be as raunchy and, and, and like push the line as we can. And I think about things that we did in that show that I'm like, Oh, I don't know that we could do that anymore. You know, that we yeah. you know that, And, but I think of the groundings, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 you know, with students, we definitely like have more conversations about like, you know, I I think there are a lot of teachable moments where we go, okay, because we're improvising, you know, is this a misogynist, you know, situation or is this a racist situation or homophobic, transphobic situation? Or, you know, are we able to laugh at, you know, are we able to laugh on the right side of things? Are we punching down or are we actually punching up? Are we actually saying you know and it's very it is very tricky right now and i i i hope we can get to a place where we're able to you know laugh laugh at problematic people not with them and i know right now it's 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 definitely a harder it's a harder than a place to be in comedically yeah. right. i don't know what you think Mitch. no
1: i agree with that i think everyone's just feeling it it's it's everyone's feeling it, their way through this right now yeah you know
0: and i'm not somebody that's like oh things have gotten too crazy and i cancel culture is horrible and like, I think it's good, what's happening. It's just, it's just... Yeah, um, it's people being
2: held accountable. And, you know, yes. I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people are saying this right now. So, but like, cancel culture doesn't exist. I mean, all you need to know for proof of that is that Mel Gibson is directing the next Lethal Weapon movie. So, all these people that are complaining about cancel I'm like, as long as Mel Gibson is allowed to make movies, yeah. we don't have cancel culture. Because, I'm sorry. But, uh, you know... Uh, <laughs> and I think it's great to just, you know, I just... Listen to Sarah Silverman, I, I, and I'm saying to everyone listening to this, like, she, to me, has been such, such a, like, balm, I guess, to this time. Because she is someone who I always feel like has made in, incredibly intelligent jokes about race, and um, especially, and yet she's going back on her old, and, and talking about her old stuff and unpacking where she was and where she is now. And I think it's the entire time she's about learning and she's about admitting that you were wrong and being okay with that. And it's like, I was wrong. I should not have said that. And I'm learning. And I think that's, what's really the most valuable at this moment, instead of canceling people and saying, you're never allowed to, you know, get on stage or online ever again. It's a matter of saying, I'm, you know, we're always growing. and learning.
0: Yeah. I think it's important. I have a pitch for you guys. Now, sure. I, I, um, Mitch, you played a flight attendant in Bridesmaids. Yes. And and you played a a, a number of like people with name tags. Or sex, yes. Counter people. <laughs> and, and and people with sure, name I'm,
2: tags and oh my, ties, ties. Oh my god! You do a show called People with Name Tags and Ties. <laughs>
0: well, here's the pitch. It's called Counterperson Fuckboy Island. <laughs> So all, the count, all the sassy counter people that you've all had to play and audition for are all on an island okay. and, they, and they drink and they dance and they fuck. You don't have to deal with protagonists or movie stars or name tags. There's no name tags on Fuckboy,
1: Counterperson Island.
2: Oh, oh my God, and they get to talk more than five lines.
1: Yes. Wait, uh-huh. is this also, are they getting eliminated? <laughs> oh, I don't know. That's tough. That's tough. It's a, now it's a reality show.
2: I feel like yeah. they would they would eliminate each other, whether they that were the rules of the game or not. Yes,
1: <laughs> from their own sassiness.
0: Oh,
2: absolutely.
0: I, um, yeah, but but it is a certain genre, and it's a yeah. thing that you do well. But it's a thing, right?
1: Yeah, they're really fun to play. It's always yeah. fun really to play fun. somebody who's like in charge but not in charge. i mean they're still they still have to answer to somebody right and we always are like i mean it kind of this is a really pretentious thing to say but it kind of goes back to comedian tell arte with the um the servant the wily servant yeah, that like uh that is so we we can say whatever they want to but they're a servant so we allow it so yeah those roles are super fun thank you for yeah. taking my comedy class
2: <laughs> I, know, I, love I love. No, it's interesting to to hear that take. You know, we all complain as as gay actors that we want more to do and we want to be seen as real people and human with you know three dimensional lives. And I love when I get to like actually like do a full role in a, an arc and I get some drama in there and I get to like have you know. But the, these these um, you know, as Patrick Bristow calls them, the swish and fetch it roles. Some of them are mm. really fun. Because, like to Mitch, what Mitch was saying is like they kind of can say a lot of, and I feel like we all experience them as gay men in our lives. The there, these people with headsets and clipboards are the meanest to gay men, and they have been the rudest to me and you and the and the two of you. Like we understand them so well because they recognize something in us, and they're like, "Sir, you're not on the list." I'm, you know. And they're they're so nice to straight men. They're so nice to women, but they are horrible to other gay men. And I feel like it's very therapeutic when we get to play them and just and and live in that horrible skin for a little bit and be like, oh, this person, you know, because to me, I'm just like, oh, I know this person. I have dealt with this person, you know, on a plane, at a film festival, at a Starbucks, or whatever. And um, you know, and and they are real as much as we say, oh, it's the stereotype. It means you know, I, we know them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think to me, there's just something so much fun about people who take something that's not that serious. So seriously, like their job at a counter, like how serious they are about it. I, there's something really, I don't know. I find those people, even though they're kind of sassy, kind of vulnerable too, because they're, they're taking their job so seriously that you kind of love them.
0: They've bought into something that's not important. Yeah, they think is really important. They bought yeah, like, into the,
1: it. like the two old queens. Like that, <laughs> with, what they're talking about is nothing, and it's right. so important to them. <gasps>
0: okay. I like it. And Mitch, I watched your reel on IMDb. You have how dare ones. you? <laughs> but there's a couple of scenes where you use a gun, and I, and of course, I'm thinking of shooting guns in movies oh. now. What was yeah. it like for you to work with firearms in a movie? I think well
1: spy I mean was it spy Yeah, spy I had a gun. I had a gun in the heat. Yeah. I, yeah, I and I've had a gun in some Yeah, it's I did not grow up around guns, so mm-hmm. I didn't uh, uh but my experience of all the you know, the working on set with those guns, they would show me the gun, would, you know, I would it would they would show all the actors. It was it was very like there was nothing in it. It was Either a fake gun or an or actual gun that was just not loaded, but none of them ever. Oh, and Happy Time Murders, I had one too, but none of them ever uh, was really firing anything. It was all put in post. Like oh, so I you, would, you didn't fake. do
0: anything that was like blanks or anything like that. No, it was
1: just like yeah. you know shooting and like trying to make it look real, and then they would put it in afterwards. I never, I've never experienced uh, doing that. That would be terrifying.
2: I know, right? Yeah, I, I had one time, and I think I was totally mentioned this, but after the, the whole thing happened on that set in New Mexico, that I was, it just brought up so much for me. I mean, just like, obviously, it was horrible. But like, I'm just, like it meant up for me. I don't mean to make this about, about me, but I did one time. I had to point blank shoot Mo Gaffney in the face. And it was like, and we had it was a real gun, and we were at a shooting range, and it wasn't loaded, and they put the effect in in post. But I did have a real gun in her face and I remember being so traumatized by it. And she was so great. She was so great. She's like, kill me. It's been, it's been great. It's, I'm fine. But like, you know, (laughs) my fear is in order. Uh Exactly. But I was like, I just said, I was like, I will never forgive myself. The world will never forgive me if I kill Mo Gaffney. Oh my God. You know, but it was, it was very, it's really, to hold that and to have to do that and we, and the, but yes, they hand it to you. They check it so many times. They show you. They they un um, unspool. What is it called <laughs> when, they, when they undo the bullet? I don't know. I, I don't know unspool cool. is perfect.
0: Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> you know, but they show you there's no bullets in the in the um, you know yeah. cage, the holster. I don't know words, <laughs> but um, you know they make it very safe, and so it's. Re- yeah insanely unacceptable what what did happen but it's never it's it's never a fun
0: it's thing unnerving i would think yeah. it can be what was the mo gaffney project
2: that was on heathers the the tv, oh, the TV right. show heathers i nice. you know i i had to i had to kill her <laughs> right? that, at a gun range and we were shooting guns all day and there were some actors who were just kind of rocking in the fetal position just being like i don't i really Ooh. hate this because there were targets some of it felt like some of the targets had like women on them at this shooting range. It was just like really creepy, like yeah. where we were and just like this, the culture of like shooting guns and having, you know, people around us who that was, you know, what they were experts in. It just was like, I really hate it. It was, you know, it was not. Yeah.
1: I would hate that too. I just, it's so, it's, it's just
2: like, I couldn't do it.
0: Yeah. Um, Drew, you're tons of fun on a search party.
2: Oh, thank you so much.
0: What has that been like for you? What is working on that sort of meant to you?
2: That was I mean, like it's always it's always fun to have a job. It's always fun when your friend asks you to be on their thing, but honestly, I was such a fan of that show before I had any idea that I would get to be a part of it. Um, I've known Charles and SV, the the creators of it. I didn't know them very well when they were doing it in the first two seasons on TBS. And it never felt like anything I would ever be a part of. And I loved it. And so I was, I, and I know I gushed when I saw it. I was just like, this isn't, this is so smart and so dark and hilarious and, and just so fucked up. Such, just nasty people that I root for every week. <laughs> and so when they, not only did they say, we want you to do something on it, but then they asked Sam Pancake to do it w- with me. And it was like, we want you to be these terrible wedding planners, <laughs> you know it was just like we it was it was really like it was it was a dream, and we and um getting to do scenes with you know Jeffrey Self and John Early, who are I mean just the four of us together just nightmares, it was so fun, and it was just like you forget that you're doing a TV show and you feel like you're doing the most fun web series with your friends, like you feel no pressure. And they were so uh, like encouraging us to improvise and just like try this. And really because I'd seen the first two seasons and I'm so used to doing a lot of theater and like Casita del Campo, you know, drag. Yeah. I was so, I was trying really hard to play it real and be grounded and they they kept being like, go crazier, go bigger. This is why we hired you, the two of you. We want clowns go for it. And so it was really fun to be given that freedom as opposed to, you're doing television now, and you've got to play it really small, and and um, because they're like these aren't small people; these are people who wear pounds of makeup and they have matching outfits that they wear to every to everywhere they go. They're they're, they're banana. They're cartoons. Yeah. So you know. So bitch,
0: you, you've been on All Rise lately, the the legal show. Yeah, like, I have a re- lawyer. Like yeah. lawyer speeches, I would be intimidated by lawyer speeches as an actor. I would be like, oh. I feel like you can either you're either that kind of person or you're not like, you know what I mean? Were you intimidated at all by that kind of a role or? Yeah,
1: absolutely. And then because I, I, you know, I don't know how many episodes I've done now, but it was like every time I get a script, it's like always like, like, what am I? How do I memorize this? What am I saying? I've learned so many legal terms now, but like. It's so much fun once you get it down, but it is kind of like when you first see the script, it is kind of like, it's very, it's very verbal. It's very wordy. It's very technical. Yeah. But like, I love saying objection, objection. I can't yeah. say it. No. I, when I get an objection, I love saying objection. You're just oh, highlighting sure. the shit out of it. In oh, I'm like, line. oh, I got four objections in this episode.
2: <laughs> I, You're so good. Mitch is so great If you. I haven't oh. seen, I mean, it's like, just so believable. And it's, I've, I've only watched a few. And the ones I've watched, I've been like, I forget that that's my friend. I mean, you're really, really wonderful. And it's great to see comedic actors doing drama because, you know, it's, you know, there's just something so interesting going on. That you know, I'd always rather see a comedic person do drama. You know. Thank
1: you. I I thanks for saying that. that's very sweet, and I agree with you. Um, that's about the comedic actors doing drama. I mean, my favorite, one of my favorite actors of all time is Alan Arkin, and like, that's the career that I was like the most envious. Like, he started in Second City, and like, but he is such an amazing actor. Right.
0: Speaking of those dynamics of the going from comedy to something more serious. Do you ever, is it ever tricky to switch gears? Like Mitch, do you ever, are you ever on all rise going, oh, I know something right here would be so funny. if I, But, oh no, that's not the job. Do you know what I mean? Do you have to turn off your improv head a little bit? Or is that a- I kind
1: of find know? it a relief that I they're not expecting me to improvise yeah. or anything. Yeah. And they're like, it's like, oh, just I have to say these lines. And every once in a while, they'll give me kind of a like a little snarky line your or something.
0: Has a, your character has some humor to him, a little twinkle and it's yes. fun.
1: And, um, and, and sometimes they've given me lines on our jokes and they always get cut, <laughs> but, um, but it, it, it's not
0: about your objections. That's no,
1: just talking. don't cut my objections.
0: <laughs> what about you, Drew? Do you ever find the gear switching a little tricky or, or um...
2: I'm yeah, I'm, I'm with Mitch. I think um, when I was, you know, doing the first couple of jobs that I got to do that were all comedic. I was so trying to I was like, I hope I'm funny in this. I hope they I'm funny. I'm going to find a moment to add this. And and I also I've done a lot of, you know, of web series and things where they kind of don't write the part and they kind of come in and say hey drew can you just add things and yeah. you know, imp- they're like feel free to improvise and sometimes <laughs> it means like write your own lines make your and please so Please make
0: this funny please right make funny and sometimes it is
2: and sometimes you're like i'm ha- i'm i'm happy to do that but yes i've gotten to the point now that like i almost like don't love improvising especially when the script yeah. is great even in a comedy i'm like what you've written is so good and once we start improvising it gets it'll get loose and mushy and then everyone's talking over each other and it's too long and you've written these really great jokes with periods on the end of them, or these really great lines for this character. To, and this, this character would say this, and that's all they would say. They don't need to add. And so I, um, and then in, I got to do a drama last year on this, um, this indie movie. And it was so, it was so much fun to just play. And, it, and also, we rarely get to just like do a scene where we just like sit and coffee. sip coffee and listen, we're so that to come in and go zing, zang, bing, and then out. Like, it's so what we're kind of used to doing. And so it's really nice to just kind of behave in a scene and kind of relax a little bit. and just Drew kind of- is
1: so good in that movie. Oh, it's
2: called
0: it. The Extinction of Fireflies, right? Yes. yes. And I saw it at one, through one of the film festivals on streaming. And you really, the whole thing is really good. And you do a great job.
2: Yeah. Um, I wanted break. to go live in that
0: house, that little cottage. Oh my God. It was,
2: it was, it's beautiful house. It was gorgeous where we got to, where we got to stay. And it was really, you know, that wasn't a great, it was a really great experience because obviously it was in the middle of COVID and no one was working, but I, we, I was alone. I mean, I, I got to be with actors and one of whom Michael yuri who's one of, one of my dear friends who I got to be, spend a month in Rhode Island with him and, you know, and just it was it was really it was wonderful, and yeah, and Michael's very funny in the movie, but I was very happy not to be in that. You know, I had a couple moments where I got to be funny, but really, I was like, oh, it was such a it was it was it was like oh, this is maybe what I want to do a lot more of, yeah. you know, moving forward. So yeah, yeah it's talk, a complicated
0: it, it, character it, and a complicated story, kind of. Yeah, uh, and it felt a little. It it felt kind of like a play because the scenes were long and just play out and everyone was so good in them.
2: Yeah, it was it was a play that he basically just filmed. I mean, he it was intended. He wrote it for the stage. It's just four actors in one, you know, in one house. And he sort of moved scenes to different rooms. But, you know, yeah, it was, um, you know, it was very, very small. We only had like seven crew members on the whole thing. So it was a very um, small, intimate Production, as they say,
0: is that somewhere where people can watch? Is it still on the festival circuit? What's going on? It with is. That? It's
2: doing festivals now. I'm not sure. We're waiting any day to get because I know last time I talked to James Walsh, the writer director, he was telling me that he had several sort of offers and they were wait. They were sort of making their decision of where it will be streaming sometime. I would say fairly soon because then he's mentioned it. He mentioned it to me at Outfest in August. So I bet with, within a month or so, we'll, before the end of the year, we'll know where where you can find it online.
0: Nice. Um from the outside as somebody that doesn't work super intensely in the worlds of TV and movies and stuff, it seems like there's more platforms, more lgbtq representation um less stigma around any of that stuff. What is it like day to day? Has it changed a lot in the time that you guys have been in the game?
1: Oh, I think there's I would agree with you I think there's yeah. so much more lgbtq representation there wasn't you know a, a, it was very limited um, when I was coming up. Now it just feels like if I were like, I mean, I'm very young, but if I were younger, <laughs> like to come up, it just feels like there's just more opportunities for roles. And also people are more interested in,
2: in buying shows that uh, have that content. Yeah. I think. And they're more interested in specific stories versus yes. like, the coming out story. When, when you're the only, you know, there was a, there was a long stretch where there would be one gay show on TV. You know, it was like Will and Grace and then earn queer as folk. And then it was looking or whatever. There was one, you know, that you could sort of look at. And so those shows got so, you know, analyzed and people like get so upset with them because they didn't, they didn't cover the entire queer experience. I mean, the L word is like the only like Lesbian show that was on forever, you know, and then it was like there were no trans people on TV for, and, you know, it's like so it's so great now to see like so many different shows that are not about like covering an entire community, but they're about this person's story and, right. their, and what they're going through. And so then you can get more like we we're saying about more specific. You know, and so it's not really about like having to explain an identity. It's not about that as much as it is about like someone's, you know, experience and, and this, the plot of what go, the, what happens with them. So it's, it is a lot, a lot easier. And it's also like less stigma to, when you're going to meetings and things and not being afraid. I mean, we both remember, like we all remember when you were like nervous to tell someone you were gay, which I was Absolutely. like, obviously yeah, was I am. Body. I walk into a room. I don't think you're going to go, is he or not? No. But you but yeah. literally saying that word you're like, am I am I condemning myself by saying I am gay in a room? Whereas now it, it's so easy it to talk about that. And it means something different now than it than it did. I I hope. You know? Um it, it it's it's a much more it is more about like the experience and your point of view and how you see the world as opposed to just straight up sex. Like, you know, it used to be so it just felt so attached to sex for so long. Um and it's way less about that now, which I think is really very healthy and, and uh, encouraging. Do you
0: feel the sense that you were part of that by doing being yourself all the way all the years before? Do you, you know when you look at younger actors coming up, do you feel like you were part of paving a path? Because you were. Um, well, I don't you know both. if we and I, I think I was, too, as a writer being out and writing mm-hmm. novels and things. Um, but you don't think of that. But I think of all of my hmm. friends that are out and doing their thing as being part of what's making this moment possible.
1: That's really interesting. I hadn't really totally thought. I I can I, I know when I was coming up at the groundlings. Um, I have been told some stuff that was like, you know, you don't want to always be known as the gay one or
0: all of that stuff. Um,
1: or like, you yeah. know, sometimes the audience is weird with gay material. And I have a very defiant side to me. That's like, if you tell me I can't do something artistically, I'll be like, yes, I can. Mm -hmm. And I was very determined to still not just write queer material, but like, I wasn't discouraged from doing it. And I found out that they were, when I was, was told the audiences, sometimes they're not, they found what was funny was funny. And, um, I just did i didn't when I was coming up I didn't see a ton of gay material on stage during my time as a student and I'm so glad that um, there's more
2: now there's more there's more queer material yeah because coming like at the groundlings like on your heels, I watched you and I watched Kevin Kirkpatrick and yeah. I watched you know and then there were the generation before before you where it was like you are you know I mean got to see like you know like there were nights you would watch an improv show and you're like Oh, it's Tim Bagley and, you know, and Patrick Bristow and all these people. You're like that you, you know, I, I always, I don't know. I, I feel like, you know, somewhere like the the groundlings had always was very, I will say this, it was very um, accepting of gay men. I know that it's very few uh, queer women and trans people have been uh, given the as many opportunities there. But as a gay man, I can speak, I, I felt like very connected there. And I yeah. never felt like, I felt like, a lot safer because there were so many of you that were doing things there the way as a student, I was like, Oh, well I could do this here. And yeah, I, it's, I, I'm like Mitch, I don't think of that. It's always so nice when someone younger says that to me and, 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 you know, and puts me in, you know, in that place. But I, you know, I feel like, you know, I, I stand on the shoulders of so many people that I just think about like, gosh, that, that I, you know, that I mean, I grew up watching, you know, Terry Sweeney and Scott Thompson and these people that I would yeah. be like, oh, I would just relate to that on some level. And Paul Lind and you know, all these, you know, you're like, I, She's, you yeah. know, all of them, you're like, oh, why do I find that funny? And then, and then women, all the women that I love, Carol Burnett and Goli Han, and all the women that I would be like obsessed with. And it's like, that was my comedy upbringing. I was never really interested in straight, straight white men I, in comedy. I was like, oh, yeah, they're, I mean, I love Steve Martin, but he's kind of the only one I that I can think of. I and, love Steve and, Martin and Bill Murray, and sure, and I, yes. yeah,
1: and I guess Martin Short. <laughs> uh, sure, I mean, but he seems, you know, he has a, a queer vibe to him
2: too. Absolutely, there's this silliness that you go, yeah. oh my god, I love that, I love him, and I don't know. I think we just, um, I'm just grateful to have had to have seen all of those people yeah. that I just mentioned, you know, and all, you know, and so um, it's cool that you know people now would that would look at at us and, and and say that i'm i'm proud of that i mean i i think you know i, I wouldn't i um uh, i think we should we should own that and then encourage the young people to be that for the people coming up you know under them because like it's a it's a journey it's a lifetime of doing this so we have to keep pushing and keep reminding people that we're here and we have something to say and we are different in a really beautiful important way you know and um and we have so many voices to listen to as gay.
1: And and also you'd be surprised at how people who aren't even part of your community can even relate to it sometimes. Yeah, because like truth is truth and funny's right. funny.
0: Yeah, I, I I observed something recently in the culture, and I want to see if you guys have a take on it. Um, Cal Penn came out recently yes. with his book and stuff like that, and good for him. And and in his, but there was something about his coming out that felt like ten years ago, like. Mm. But all my friends knew. I've always, like, it's all of that stuff that was, like, part of the, the, like, it just felt like, after Lil Nas X, who's like, yeah, I do butt stuff, live with it. Oh, like, it yeah. just felt yeah. like, there was a period of time where people were like, um, I'm gay, but I'm not any of the gay things that make you vomit. I don't think about that. Right. <laughs> right? right. And I get it. That's what it was. And there was something yeah. about the, this that that moment that reminded me of, like, Oh, we're, we're not, we're past that in a way, I think.
2: Right. I don't know. I, you know, I, um, I have not read, I haven't read Cal Penn's book, but um, I was, I was totally shocked when he, I was like, wow, no idea. I never, yeah. <laughs> never picked that one. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I've always been, I've always been such a fan of his and I think it's really great that he came out. I think it's one of those, it's really, I, I think it's like the second you come out, you forget how hard it is to be in. And yeah. you forget like what that experience is. And I think that when you, especially in 2021 and, cause I think Cal Penn is about my age. I think he's in his forties, isn't he? I believe maybe? Yeah. So. And yeah. so when you're in your forties and you come out, it's harder because you've spent all this time and it's embarrassing. And you're like, why didn't I do this earlier? Why didn't I do this when I was like in my twenties and just be like, yeah. you know, and, and so it's, it's harder to mm-hmm. sort of make that, that call, I think, to when you're going to do it, how you're going to do it, and then I also think a lot of people, even though he's been with a man for like what 11 or however many years, or 11 or 13 years, I want to say, he maybe truly didn't know beyond that one man he was with. I don't know how he identified, or you know, so many people are like, I have this, I have this partner, but I, I might be poly, I might be bi, i might, I'm not sure where I fit into this whole right. equation, and I do think it's like. You know, I love Lil Nas X for just being so you know open. I'm obsessed
1: with him. I'm obsessed with him.
2: He's fantastic. He's truly magic. I love him, and I'm he's so talented too. It's not just like smart and like love his music. And I know, I know, and And funny. That's
0: it. Yes, humor
2: and he seems weirdly and this is so we don't know him, but he seems so weirdly like down to earth and like human and like I, I you know I his his moment on SNL, I was like, oh, I'm seeing a real person having a moment here and he owned it and I just was like, I love how he's just so transparent but I also know that everybody can't be that all the time. I mean, you know, you know, it's hard. It's like people thought, you know, people were like, Pete Buttigieg isn't gay enough for me or whoever and I think it's like we have to understand everyone is where they are and everyone is who they are and as we embrace more and more people in our community, we're going to see all different kinds of expressions of that
0: well, and you it, know, I, I don't mean to, like, slam Cal Penn or anything, but there was oh, something about the tone of that that felt like, oh, that's, we used to really have to
2: yes. mince every word, and oh, we yeah. don't want
0: to make anyone
2: uncomfortable,
0: and right. I'm not this, I'm that, but, I, but, but, but I'm still the same, like, all of the reassuring that we had to do, it feels like lately, especially with people like Lil Oz X, we're like, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that, I like butt stuff, and mm-hmm. here's my video where i'm yeah. like, it's, like, Satan. like it, 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 it's just interesting to see where the cultures come and it's uh really exciting i think um that's that's my thought on that um and maybe lil Nas x will come to your show at dynasty typewriter <laughs> oh he's invited he, I,
1: we have a free ticket for him
0: <laughs> oh i want to make out with him so bad anyway oh God,
2: me too. yeah um, we'll make that well, happen
0: Tell people, <laughs> no, no, no. Tell, well, tell people how they can see your show. Tell people how they can see your show, where they need to go.
2: I will look it up right now. I have it really fast. Yes, it's DynastyTypewriter.com. It's on Tuesday, the 23rd of November at 8 o'clock. You know, please, please come down. Try I will it. be there. And
0: you, it's masks and vax. Is that the Yes. Vibe? Yes. yes. I yes. like yes. it. Show proof um,
2: backs vax at the door, then wear a mask.
0: Inside. anything else you want to plug on your social medias or anything like that you want to get a mention in for them?
2: uh i'm at twitter at drew Drogi <laughs> and instagram at drew underscore Droege. Nice. i'm i'm at uh twitter
1: it's mitch silpa and, and uh, uh instagram is mitch silpa picks yeah, yeah i see it um
0: for my final question give us a little sneak preview of this show on tuesday What's something you're really curious about? Like, excited about? How's this going to go without spoilers?
1: There's a couple I'm really excited about. There's, but there's one I'm particularly cannot wait to do. Yeah. And I, don't, all I'll say is it was, we wrote it at the time where we were watching The White Lotus.
0: Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes.
2: Yeah. Oh, I'm yeah, so That's is- all I'll say. It, it, I will also say not any spoilers, but it was, we wrote it shockingly quickly. Uh-huh. It, 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 it's, it, it, we have no what I'm so excited to do it too. Cause it's, you know, it's exactly what we were talking. We just love, we have no idea how it's going to go. Um, the one I'm, I'm, I'm that one for sure. And there's another one uh where we play women that yeah. I'm really excited about as well. That is just, I'm, also I'm like I don't know how this is going to go but we'll see. I can't we'll wait see. for that one too.
0: <laughs> and I will be there and next show you guys can do a sketch called Counterperson Fuckboy Island. Yes, oh yeah yeah yeah.
2: Counterperson yeah. Fuckboy Island. I'm on board. <laughs> <laughs> it's so Little Nas X can guys. host it. What's that? No. Little Nas X can host yes! it. Yes. Oh my gosh. I got so excited. I just got <laughs> Cuz he stuff. needs work. He, he really needs, you know. We need to get him more. Yes. <laughs> we have
0: going on. Yeah, I love him. All right, you guys were delightful to talk to, and um, so thank
2: okay. you so much, Dennis. Thank you, Dennis.
0: Thanks again to Drew Drogi and Mitch Silpa. Go see their show. Um, we've never felt younger. This Tuesday at Dynasty Typewriter, I will be there. So this happened. Um, I had something life affirming happen to me today at the post office of all places. Um, I went there to mail a copy of my game, You Don't Know My Life, co-created with Jeb Havens to a friend of mine in Tennessee. And I was standing in line and I noticed that the person in front of me was a young woman and she had a, a box that she had wrapped in Tom of Finland, erotic male imagery. And I kind of did a double take and I was like, and then I said, I really like your wrapping paper. And she goes, oh, I made it. I, I Xeroxed it and created it myself. It's for a... A gift for a friend, and it was like really sexy Tom of Finland stuff—no exposed um, wangers or anything, but like definitely you know sexy men, uh, homoerotic uh, imagery. And she said, "Do you think they're going to let me mail it?" And she goes, "I kind of used the address thing to cover up the most provocative part, and it was a part where somebody was like pulling down another guy's pants or something." And um, I was like, "I don't know, maybe they will." And so she takes it up to the counter person and the counter person, she loves it too. And so everyone loves it. I think it was like a like a middle-aged African-American woman running the counter. She's like, I'm into this. So everyone loved the Tama Finland erotic uh, packaging and it got sent off to Tennessee, or, or no, to Kentucky. Her friend is in Kentucky. And I was like, well, I hope Mitch McConnell likes his birthday gift. So the story is, I think the moral of the story is you know, don't be afraid to let your freak flag fly with some Tom Finland uh, wrapping paper through the U.S. Postal Service, you know? Stick it to Louis DeJoy that way. That's a way of being a little sassy. I like it. So it was very, it made me feel good and I loved it. And they let me take a little video of it, a little picture of it. So maybe I'll post that. But um, yeah, so there you go. So um, that made me feel good. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time. I'm Dennis, anyone. Bye.